Ah, yes. Never a dull moment on the Cool Button Hockey Podcast. We're up to episode 38. So much news, controversy. Brad Marchand's going to keep us uh, talking for a while. But we start in Montreal. Hey, who doesn't like Marty St. Louis? But the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, Mr. Button, what do you make of this Watson? So here's my answer. I think it's deja vu all over again, as Yogi Berra said. Deja vu right back to October 1995 when the Montreal Canadiens hired Rajan Houle to be the general manager, and he hired Mario Tremblay to be the head coach. Neither one of them had any experience. The great late Red Fisher, he, you know, and, and he knew, and, and he, he talked about it. I'm just going to talk about it from the article, just exactly what he's done. You know, Rajan Houle said, we needed a coach and a real one. Red Fisher said, what? <laughs> this is what Red said, and I'll try to be real brief here. He talked about how he's known the Mario Tremblay and Rajan Houle, and they hired Yvonne Cornway. Talked about everything they did. Basically, what he said is they are brave men who are dedicated to winning because that is what they were taught by great coaches such as Toe Blake and Scotty Bowman. As players, they knew how to win, but this is a new team without a shred of experience in the jobs. There are so many things they don't know, and sadly, learning how to win all over again at this level takes a lot of time. There, there are no quick fixes. The 20 Stanley Cup rings they share are lovely memories, but their glitter won't win a period, much less a game. Deja vu all over again. That's my answer. Well, and three months later, they pushed Patrick Waugh to Montreal. And you can argue 93 for Montreal is a long time ago. And notwithstanding some good years and last year's magical mystery tour run, it hasn't been like it used to be in the good old days. Now, Hughes doesn't have experience. St. Louis doesn't have experience, but Jeff Gorton does. Could this just be a setup to let Marty finish the year and then hire the Babcock, I don't know, David Quinn, somebody with other experience moving? Like, is this more of just a, a piece for a 37 game span and then hire the real coach later? Could you understand that method to their madness, Mr. Button? Uh, I, I, I mean, what, what you just said is plausible. Listen, I, th they needed to change the coach. Dominic Ducharme had clearly, you, you know, run out of runway with the team. You have what Jeff Petrie said a few months ago, Josh Anderson, after they got blown out by the New Jersey Devils. I think that was, uh, you know, that, the, the, that was the final straw. So, you know, Jeff Gordon recognizes we got to make a coaching change. To me, they had the guy right there. They had the guy right there who did a great job last year when Dominic Ducharme went down uh, after being diagnosed with COVID. Luke Richardson. You want to get to the end of the year? You got 37 games to go. Luke knows the team. He, he, he's got a presence behind the bench. He, he's been around the group. He's got respect. If that's what you want to do, you had the guy right there. You had the guy right there. Marty St. Louis has zero coaching experience. I don't care that he talked to John Tortorella on his drive up. You don't learn how to coach talking to somebody else about coaching. Okay. Bottom line is he's got zero experience coaching. We all know what a great player he was. We, he, he was phenomenal. Guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. As I just, as I just talked about with Red Fisher, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. And the players, they sit there, they go, they want somebody that can help them and guide them. This idea that like, oh, well, Marty's going to come in and he's going to make them work hard. Like, give me a break. Players want a coach that can give them clear direction, find solutions to the problems and move forward. That's what they need. 
Luke Richardson was right there. Steve, you're, you're, you're right about trying to get to the end of the year. I, I'll tell you what, for Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes, who need to evaluate this team in the last 37 games to determine what moves they want to make, you know what? And putting players in situations, how do they handle it? What do they do? Uh, everything to give you real clarity on what you want to do with respect to moves with certain players. And you bring in Marty St. Louis to be your coach. I don't get it. I simply don't get it. Well, the veterans probably are feeling the same way. They're not going to say it publicly. So you're throwing no. away our 37 games. We're not saying keep Dominic Ducharme. You had, a, I think, a better transition because now what feeling, what taste in the mouths of the veteran players will this leave? And the part of the whole thing that – because overall the reaction was positive because people like Marty St. Louis so much. The same way to a certain extent it was positive when Wayne took over Phoenix at the time. You know, but without experience, it's difficult. And other former players have gone behind benches with mixed results publicly and privately, and we're not going to go over all those scenarios, but your transition game to Luke Richardson made a lot of sense, but the idea about eyes and ears makes me think. So we can't have open dialogue because whatever I say to you goes right to the top. Like imagine in any company that someone comes in and you go, huh? At that point, what you're saying is, oh, okay. This is what you want. It, it makes for an uncomfortable situation. I have to believe that there's a respect and a connection with say Luke Richardson. And now Marty comes in out of the blue and it's nothing personal. It's just like we used to, red Fisher had the, you know, what cojones to say what he said, not only did he nail it three months later, it became a bigger unmitigated disaster. When Montreal sent the cup to Colorado through Patrick Waugh, Trombley ran Waugh out of town. You know, the idea that now Marty St. Louis is going to save Cole Caulfield, I think I would have given Cole Caulfield a better chance than what Dominic Ducharme was doing. I get that part, although he's probably should be in the American League. But it just, the stench of the season, the last 37 games are going to be almost, I mean, it's been bad news bears like, Craig. I, I would really like to know what the players think. And again, this is not personal. We like Marty St. Louis. It just, on the surface, there's a lot of pomp and pageantry. Uh, you kind of cut below it to say you had your guy there already to get through the last 37 games. Listen, like there's, there's nothing you, you went and you said, we need a coach to come in and replace our current coach because it's clearly not working. So that, that's what we need to do. And, you know, so there's pomp and circumstance. And like I said, you're not bringing in Marty St. Louis to come in and play. You're not bringing in Marty St. Louis, the player to come in and play the players look at a coach and they want somebody that has the knowledge and the ability to manage the bench, to manage the team, to manage the individuals. Marty has zero experience, zero, zero. This isn't about respect of Marty St. Louis. And quite frankly, you nailed like, like Red Fisher nailed it. Good luck, Marty. Cause you're going to need a whole hell of a lot of it because I'll tell you what, I, I, I think it's a move. Like I said, deja vu, deja vu, 1995. And guess what? You, you, you talked about you want to evaluate players. You want to see what you're doing. But guess what? You, you lost Patrick Wall. You lost Mike Keene. You lost the you lost that fiber of your team because Patrick Wall said, I'm out of here. I'll tell you what. I think the Montreal Canadiens have, have made a big mistake. And, you know, it has nothing to do with Marty St. Louis, the, the, the player, the Hall of Fame player. It has nothing to do with Marty St. Louis, the person. I'll tell you what, it's still a mistake.
zero experience and that's what and then and then everybody went oh it's so great like yeah we know marty was a great competitor you're not bringing him in to be a competitor you're not bringing him in to be a, a coach you know what it takes to line match up to see a rotation oh. of a team that goes one two three one and you're you know it, it's it's so easy from the press box it's so easy as a broadcast in those moments when somebody's yelling you you've got your five six on the ice against 97 or 34 or 29 and or, or all the things that that look easy it, it's not easy you know it's not easy these guys who have paid the dues at you know ahl and junior hockey think of the mistakes i'll just use a guy like sheldon Keith, how he's had to learn after having coach starting in pembroke and still have to learn your craft craig this is it's not a sketch painting like it takes a long time to learn your brush strokes and throw the canvas out and oh boy it's now they're not gonna make the playoffs and, and have playoff games anyway but if i'm one of the 37 or the players in the 37 games i'm sitting there going groin hurts out today let's like i i wonder i wonder and we love and the thing is we all love marty that's the thing is we all love marty it's just um it's weird it's the situation's weird. So I, I, I've seen compared. Oh, wow. Well, look at Rod Brindamore. Rod Brindamore was an assistant coach for seven years on an NHL bench. No, there's no comparison to Rod Brindamore. Doug Waite took over as head coach of the New York Islanders. I said the same thing when Doug Waite took over the New York Islanders. He has no coaching experience. I know Dougie. I know Garth Snow and talking to people. I've, well, he played in the NHL. I, I said, I know he played in the NHL. Playing in the NHL is not coaching in the NHL. My pat line on this, we've all been students in the classroom. If you want to be a teacher, you got to go get some different type of training. So don't tell me you played, therefore you can be a coach. And, you know, there's different paths. Zero, the Montreal Canadiens, tell you what, it's, it, 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 I, I'm not going to sit here. I'll straightforward say it feels like they were trying to win a press conference. That's what it feels like. You nailed it with the Fisher article, bringing that up. You nailed it with your closing thought. The Dougie Wait one is, and I love Dougie, was a friend of the oh, yeah. show. Dougie left and Barry Trotz came in and the Islanders started to win. Just, hey, you want to paint your house? You can paint it yourself. Or you can hire someone to do it. You want to manage your finances? You could do it. Or you can hire a professional to do it. You have to pay the point and a half. So this is, it's going to be interesting. Put it this way. It's going to make the last 37 games very interesting as we dissect what the Montreal Canadiens do and don't do. And maybe it's about this press conference to set up the one in the summer when they hire the next coach. So that is story. Oh, you want to tag that for a second? Yeah. The, the summer's coming soon enough, Steve. You got a game to play against the Washington Capitals coming up. And I'll tell you what the Washington Capitals are thinking. They're going point night. Maybe Ovechkin will break Gretzky's record that night. <laughs> Well, that's what they're thinking. That's exactly they're thinking. Point night, they're going the Montreal Canadiens. We're going to pound these guys. Yeah, good luck. Or as they say, all from I say, bon chance. From the east to the west, we go. Huge news on Thursday morning. Dave Tippett fired as head coach of the Oilers. They had turned the corner. They brought in Kane. They were on a roll and then laid two eggs back to back games with Mike Smith returning against Vegas and Chicago. His numbers are good. I think he's won like 57 of the last 100 regular season games. He's been there for two and a half years. Agree or disagree with the firing, Craig? 
I think it's a knee-jerk reaction by Ken Holland. Uh, if you look at different measures of team play, I think Dave Tippett's done a real good job with this Edmonton Oilers team. If you look at the goaltending, when they have too much of the time had subpar goaltending. And subpar goaltending is always going to sink you. you know. And, and, and that, to me, is, is the problem for the Edmonton Oilers. So, yeah, we can look at the previous two games and say, yeah, the game against Vegas, it was pathetic. It wasn't much better versus the Chicago Blackhawks on back-to-back nights. But I think the biggest problem, and I, it, it's been there for, for uh, this season, it's been evident through this season, I think that they're, they still haven't addressed the issue. Now, you can ask me the question, Steve, and we can debate it all we want. What, was it time for a change? Was it not for – I can go by the measurement. I'm not around the team. I'm not around the room. I don't know. Okay? Nobody knows. But Ken Holland makes this decision to change the coach. Maybe he has a feeling about it. I think it's knee-jerk. That's what I think. And I don't think that it fixes their biggest problem. And their biggest problem is goaltending. Yeah. I mean, if Dave Tippett wasn't the coach of the Oilers and whoever was, was going through this, people would say, you know what you should do? You should go and get Dave Tippett. <laughs> That's what they would say. Like, you know what I mean? Because now, you know, and I don't know at press time if we officially know what the replacement is, big name and, and everything Jay Wood, else. Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson coming up from Bakersfield. Okay. I mean, is this about, you and I privately have said McDavid had looked broken that something was wrong. He wasn't the high-flying McDavid at the start of the season. Is this about the stars? Is it, is it about trying something else? I mean, clearly Tippett has more experience and has more credibility than who they're bringing up. Is it about going younger? Is it just a desperate move to say, if we keep doing the same thing, we're going to miss the playoffs. I don't have another goalie yet. So until we do, we're going to give these other guys a chance because I, I'm a little... I'm a little stunned only because I, I don't see anything better. Like I don't see solving the problem here with this move. And I wonder where McDavid and Dreisaitl land in this. Well, I mean, I mean, we're talking about two of the, two of the best players on the planet at Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. But you, you know, when, the, when, when a team begins to show the signs of, of, of a dampened spirit, shall we call it. Right. I mean, those are signs that as a manager, you got to look at. And like I said, you know, Ken Holland, you know, he's been around lots of good coaches. Dave Tippett certainly qualifies and, and he's trying to get a feel for it. I just I, like, you know, I think that quite frankly, that Ken Holland has dithered on getting a goaltender that's led him to this decision to fire the coach. Now, maybe maybe the spirit is dampened. Maybe maybe they do need a different change. Maybe Dave Tippett says, I can't do anything more. I've done everything I can. You know, I'm looking at the players in the eyes and they know that we, we got a problem. And it's not being, so Ken says, okay, I got to do it. But understand, I think it's because of his dithering on not getting a goaltender. See, I'm, I'm in that line of thinking that if they got a goaltender and it kept going like this, at the end of the day, I have to believe at one point, Ken says to Connor, can we talk, come and see me or on the phone. And then Connor either could save Dave or push him through the same thing allegedly happened with Mike Babcock when things were getting weird in Toronto. And then he's talking to his core group and then they could save him or say, no, it's time for something else. And they went in another direction, a younger direction too. So, I mean, th this is so fascinating to me because they shouldn't be in this position and they've got a veteran general manager 
and they've addressed so many other things or tried to, proving the blue line, depth, everything else, but it still kept square peg round hole. And then they kept waiting for Mike Smith to come back, and he comes back and looks so awkward to me in the two Craig, he looks like, and I hate to say this because he's almost 40 and he's likable. He looks like an awkward Robin Leonard. And he looked like kind of a beer league goalie at times. I, I look at it and I go, and then his actions afterwards, it's just, it's not, it's not winning hockey. It's not winning hockey. I mean, if you took Igor Shesterkin and put him in Edmonton, Dave Tibbet would still be the coach of the Edmonton Oilers. I'll guarantee you that. I, I, no, I, I 100% agree with you. And, and let me just say this. Like Mike Smith looking like uh, a clumsy Robin Leonard would be an upgrade. Like, let's not compare him to Robin Leonard. Okay. Let's just Mike Smith. And then he does, he did the Patrick Wall last night on Wednesday night in Edmonton. Did you see the Patrick Wall? Like, so, oh yeah, really? Okay. Here we go. And, and like, I, I'm going to say this to you and, and, and I'm going to, you know, it's never ever on the players to save a coach or to endorse a coach or whatnot. The players are always going to say, we have every faith in the coach. That's what they do. It's not the coach. The players aren't sitting here saying, get rid of this coach and everything. They, they just don't do that. So like, it's not about Connor McDavid. Leah. This is about Ken Holland. And like I said, maybe Dave Tibbetts says, Kenny, I've, I've done everything I can. I can't do anything more. And maybe he just says, yeah, I, 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 I've tried everything. Okay, and we don't have a goaltender, and the, the team's broken. And, and Kenny says, "Okay, well, I got to make this change." Yet. Okay, I get that, but understand how, how you know what the genesis of it is. It's because of Kenny's dithering on not getting a goaltender. They dithered. He's dithered. I go back to two thousand and three, December. I think it was about two thousand and three. The Calgary Flames. They got a team. Daryl Sutter's coaching. You know their team's pretty decent. Okay, they're kind of going along. Roman Turk goes down with a knee injury. They don't know. They're trying to look, hey, what can we do? What can we do? People say to me, well, you can't go get an unproven goaltender. No, no. Scouting is about trying to find the, the diamonds in the rough. It's about trying to find the unproven and, and add to your team. What did Daryl Sutter go and do? He went and traded for Mika Kiprasov. What did the Calgary Flames do? Whoop! Right to the Stanley Cup final game seven. Mika Kiprasov was the best goaltender in Calgary. One of the best in the league for 10, 11 years. Okay. And you know, when you start to look at it, Ken Holland failed Dave Tippett. Simple as that. Ken Holland failed Dave Tippett. And we can talk about Cam Ward in 06. You know, he was there. Jordan Bennington. Like, the Blues were the Blues were rudderless ship. And then here comes Jordan Bennington. And, and we can go on and on of, you know, goalies, who have changed programs. We just had a thing about Henrik Lundqvist. The Rangers were, you know, expected to be okay in 06, 07. And then Kevin Weeks went, oh, here's the king. By Halloween, he was the number one goalie and the Rangers took flight. And we can talk about when Curtis Joseph was in Edmonton, left Edmonton, went to Toronto. They were horrible teams. And in one year, have a goalie that could win almost 40 games. Un in front of basically what was the same system before. So, so now, now what? Okay. So they've changed. So what would be different now? Nothing, Steve, nothing would be different. The, you know, that saying loose lips sink ships, <laughs> bad goaltending gets coaches fired. 
I'm, I'm telling like you go look at the measures that the Edmonton orders with, with, I'll tell you what, if they had average goaltending, average goaltending, they would be much better. Their goaltending has been the issue. I, I, you know, you go on, go ahead. Like they haven't fixed the problem. So do you believe then that between this conversation between me and you and March 21st, that will finally be addressed? Well, all I know is this. Okay. You, will, will it finally be addressed? All I can tell you is this, Steve. I, like, it, I, it needs to be addressed. And if it isn't addressed, nothing's changing. Wow. What a news cycle in the last 24 hours. We go from east to west and back east again because there's so many things in play. Today's show really is about the good, the bad, and <laughs> here we go. The ugly. Brad Marchand, six games. Yes. Called no, I'm the, shocked. I'm shocked. Really? Yeah, I am. That it's that many? Yeah, I am. Oh, okay. Um, what did he do, Stevie? He punched the goalie in the head, I get it. So that was the roughing, right? And then he, he went and took his stick, right, in one hand with his stick and tried to poke the goalie, okay? That's six games. I see things happen in the game. I watched Brendan Dillon take uh, Teddy Bluger's head and, and launch up not even nothing. And Brad Marchand gets six games for that. If I'm Brad Marchand, I'm appealing. I'm appealing. There's like, sorry, I I don't see the I don't see the merit in him getting six games. I think that's a reputation suspension. Well, for sure, reputation's part of it, and officially being on the clock. And all we know is what people have told us that in other moments of licking and other things that have done and sticking players, that he's kind of been warned. And then sometimes you get Capone on tax evasion and not the, all the other things. So I think this was message sending to Brad that a lot of it is conduct, not becoming a professional NHLer. And the other stuff you're saying, I'm not disagreeing about the two games for kneeing, two games for hitting to the head. I still put that on the general managers. I'd like to think the department of player safety would turn up the volume on the two gamers to make them four, the four gamers to make like, I believe in all that stuff. I totally do. But I'm not disagreeing with you on getting on Marchand for this. I think they basically said to the kid who leaves the principal's office, I better not see you again this semester. Because if I do, you're in trouble. And I believe it also came down to that. We can agree or disagree on, uh, on the six. I thought they basically said to him, I told you not to come back. Slew footing Albrechtman Larson and then coming back. And then all the other things where they thought we didn't really get him. How do we let them get away with licking or some other things? So I, I think part of it is they were angry at him. They were angry at him and made him pay the price in this suspension. And, and fair enough. There's nothing wrong. I get that. That's the human element of it. I'm just saying that, you know what? We, we, we know he got three games earlier for the slew foot, right? Okay, so obviously that's the three that doubles to six in my view. That's how they got to six, okay? But it, 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 if you don't like the things he's done previously, suspend him for a game. Suspend him for a game. Don't don't sit here now on on an act because you know when I, like the Department of Player Safety talks, we look at the act and then we look at the player. To me, the act doesn't that doesn't merit six games. That's just me, and that's okay. We can disagree, and I'm I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not suggesting that this is like a. I, I understand I can understand the rationale, the one you put forward, and what the uh, Department of Player Safety said. But like, deal with the issue then. Whatever it was, if he's licking, suspend him. If he's doing something, suspend him. Don't sit here and like get angry and go, well, we didn't do it then, we didn't do it then, so now we're going to pile on you now. 
That's why I would, that's why I would appeal. And, and actually the reason. Okay. I still get that part, but let's think of this then. So he, he cold cocks Tristan Jari, who doesn't expect it. I don't know if he cold cocked him, Steve. I mean, how many times you see a guy punch somebody come across with it? I mean, like that. Hang on the goalie though. Like it's, it's one thing if he's getting into an altercation with another player. Drake Batherson is out for six weeks because of what Aaron Dell did. You don't think that's the, you talk about cold cocky. That should have been a 15 game suspension for Aaron Dell. And that, sorry, that ain't cold cock. He came in, he punched him. It's blind. I said, he deserves a suspension for that. Yeah. That wasn't cold cocky. Well, like, how many goalies get punched in the face in the crease? I don't know. It's not about how many. Let's talk about the act. Okay. So you wanted to spend him for three games with the punch? I no, mean, I said, the, I said two for the punch, one for the unsportsmanlike swing of the stick. That's okay. what I said. And I then said maybe, and then maybe the history, the slew footing, the not getting them the last time all compounded. Agreed. No? Okay. And we can play the game three, four, five, six, and everything else. You know, we talk about protecting goalies. We are in a, crime punishment results if batherson gets up from the dell hit there is no suspension he doesn't get up though steve and I that know. matters so we're not playing the if game i know what happened and you know what happened yeah and i'm if okay. doesn't matter here i am a crime and punishment person i'm telling you i i've seen listen i applaud the dale hunter pierre turgeon Gary, that was Gary's suspension. Absolutely, it was. That made everybody's eyes go like this. I've told Gary this myself. I love to make people go, "Oh my, uh oh!" And you know what that was supposed to do? Help protect players. Like what? We love Dale. What the hell was he thi- like? Are you? He cost the Islanders a legitimate chance at giving themselves a chance. Oh, we're gonna lose Pierre Turgeon out of the rest of the series. How big a loss is Pierre Turgeon in the rest of the series? Are you kidding me? So I like that stuff. But there's certain things of saying you can't do that. The other sports, sometimes you fight or throw a punch, you're gone right away. Like there's zero tolerance. To we know that, but hockey isn't like that, Steve. Like we allow fighting. We, I, I brought up the Brendan Dillon. He breaks Teddy Bluger's jaw. I mean, I was doing the game. I was stunned, you know? And then I said, you know, I thought like that, you know, that should be looked at. Never even looked at it. I don't like, in a, I haven't followed up on it. I don't know why. I'm with you on that. I'm just saying I'm surprised. Okay. I'm I'm just saying I'm surprised. So, you know what, you know, we, we look at games, like we should have had a betting line on the games. He would have got right. Wouldn't wouldn't that have been interesting? Okay. (laughs) Well, I, I, I think part of it is when enough is enough, they say enough is enough. So if you had six on Brad Marchand, you are a winner. And, uh, speaking of winning and, betting time now for kb on ice an inside look at the nhl maybe the nfl brought to you by our friends at sports interaction sports interaction is canada's sports book hockey and some football mr button why don't you start on ice and then take us to the gridiron <laughs> well you'll take us to the gridiron i, I want to hear your different ideas on the ice the Calgary Flames on Wednesday night just demolished the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, what? I mean, the Calgary Flames are for real. That's a good team there, and, and Daryl Sutter has them playing well. But they got the Toronto Maple Leafs sitting there watching at home, you know, in the rink, and they, they get to play the Leafs on the road playing great hockey. Calgary doesn't have enough to beat the Leafs having to play a back-to-back. I'm taking the Leafs on the road. 
I like that. I like that. Matthews looks like it's a uh, full steam ahead for him. Uh, Boston, no 63. We talked about that earlier in the show. Uh, 37 as well. Rask is retired. Carolina's angry and ornery. They just lost two games in a row. Minus a puck and a half. I'm taking Carolina over Boston. You're taking Toronto over Calgary. I think those are two smart bets. Super Bowl 56, Mr. Button. I'm taking L.A. Over Cincinnati, I'm giving up the four points. Both teams like to throw the football, fifth and seventh and pass offense. Matthew Stafford will be the star of the show. I'm taking the Rams at home, even though they're using the other team's dressing room like because they're, they're not allowed to be in their own. What do you think? I love the fact that Matthew Stafford's going to have a chance to win all those years in Detroit. All he did was try to give his very best, never had a chance. Cooper Cup the wide receiver, and that defensive line for the Los Angeles Rams. I'll tell you what, Joe Burrow, he's going to be running around just like Patrick Mahomes was running around last year versus the Buccaneers. I love it. I love it. Get out of Detroit if you want to win in the NFL. Check out all <laughs> the odds. NHL, NFL, SIA.com. That's SIA.com. And sign up today at sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button pod to place your bet. Sports Interaction is Canada's Sportsbook. So there's certain games on a schedule that make you go, wow. And we have one on February the 10th on this Thursday. And that is Tampa Bay, Colorado. There are games that we say are previews of the Stanley Cup final. Is this your odds on if you had to take one to win a brand new car? Tampa Bay, Colorado. Is that your pick? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And, and guess what? It was my pick at the beginning of the year. So I'm not uh -huh. even just, I'm not jumping on on February 10th. I, I picked those two teams to be in the finals and hey, there's other teams. We know there's good teams, but boy, you know, you think about two teams that are, you know, healthy for the most part, you know, they, they you know, coming back, you know, ready to play, ready to show what they got. I think Tampa Bay's been brilliant. Victor Hedman, he, he's the best defenseman in the league, but I, he's running away with the Norris trophy. And I know people go, what? What? Kale McCarr's playing in this game. I know Kale McCarr's having a great year. I think that Victor Hedman's running away with the with the Norris Trophy. That's how good he has been. He has been phenomenal. Did you happen to see the little video the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning put out when they uh, awarded Curtis McElhenney his uh, his ring? No. So he like Curtis is living in Colorado. So the team came in there and they had a big presentation with them. And, you know, there's Curtis coming in with his kids and Andre Vasilevsky with the great flow. Let me tell you, great flow on Andre Vasilevsky comes over big hug for Curtis McLean. Remember Curtis McLean didn't play in the playoffs, but Curtis talked about being, being part of such a great group of players. And uh, you know, that he was humbled and just uh, couldn't thank them enough for, for everything to finish his career like that. It was really, really a special moment and all the players are there. They're all clapping and cheering for him. It was, it, you know, those are the special moments where you see the bonds of a team and, you know, they say, uh, I, I'll quote the great Fred Shiro. If we win today, we walk together forever. <laughs> I love Fred. Oh, he's had some great quotes. Uh, if we lose today, uh, it'll be worse than dying. Talking about <laughs> 76. I, that, that's what he said, folks. I, and uh, I, he did. Yeah, he had to be back in the moment. The world was different, everything else. Uh, so, and it's funny about an organization. We just talked about another organization. And then we look at Tampa and how Steve Eiserman has done things. Like when he got to Detroit, he didn't just get rid of Jeff Blaschel because, listen, you're part of the old stench. You're, he gave him a chance. He, oh, and then Jeff 
earn the trust and he keeps them just because a team loses doesn't mean that you throw the baby out with the bathwater and steve and john cooper did were they connected did they play together no steve hires the best person for the job whether he knows you or doesn't and john won at you know the minor hockey level then he won at the you know the ushl the age like he just oh and then he finally you know what i'm saying so he it's hire the best people surround yourself with the best people and if you do that you make yourself look good that's winning it sounds easy <laughs> but so julian breezewell runs the lightning passing the torch getting for steve eiserman you talk about vasilevsky and all the different things people think it's easy because tampa's been winning now but they went through heaven and hell like go back to losing to columbus go back to the game one five overtime game like that was the proverbial piano off their backs and now Colorado's trying to be Tampa. That's why tonight's game is so sexy because Colorado went through Michael Hutchinson and uh, Kiviranta in overtime. And like, so they're trying to be Tampa by figuring it out. That's what makes the matchup sexy. And if they were to meet, talk about star power, talk about TNT dynamite. That's why we get excited when things are done the right way in management to say, what do we have to do? Can Kemper get the job? Like all those other things that are sidebars, that's what makes this so intriguing. We play what? 1,300 plus regular season games. These are the games that are circled. It's a, oh, it's a great moment. Yeah, you, you know what? It's like having that, uh, that, that wonderful, wonderful uh, dessert you've been looking for. And, and, and you know, it's not really dessert time, but you're gonna, I'm gonna have, a, I'm gonna have some of this dessert right now. I, I wanna just touch on something you just said about uh, Steve Eiserman too. I'm going to go to John Cooper and Jared Bednar. And it's in light of what just happened in Montreal. Okay. Like John Cooper, tell me where he didn't win. <laughs> like, tell me where he didn't win. Steve Heisman hired him to come in and coach his American hockey league team. Right. Like that's after all the success John Cooper had. Jared Bednar came in. You think about Jared Bednar coming into the Colorado avalanche. It was after the fiasco with Patrick Waugh. Okay. And Jared had won at the East Coast Hockey League. He'd won in the American Hockey League. He took over a situation that was every bit as bad as the Montreal Canadiens. And look at where Jared Bednar is now. Okay. Like with all that experience. And, and, and again, it did, when you bring this game, so we have a matchup now of two top teams. Okay. We also have a matchup of two top coaches. And it makes me even scratch my head a little bit more. And I've been scratching my head a lot since the announcement of Marty St. Louis as coach of the Montreal Canadiens. I'm telling you what, like I said, if this turns out like and Marty St. Louis is able to have success in, in this 37 games, color me surprised, <laughs> color me surprised, whatever color you want to color me, color me pink and color me blue, make me red. I don't care. All I know is this. Just look at what those two guys did in terms of coaching. Oof. Well, I think it's a brilliant tie in and we didn't plan it because same thing if Kevin Adams can save the Sabres and turn things around there because I say who else was lined up to hire a certain person. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, somebody wasn't going to hire Glenn Sather or Lou Lamorello or Bill Belichick or whatever, and those teams did, and we know the success that ended up coming. But Bednar was in a disastrous one of the 48 points, I think it was off the top of my head season. And, and you know, 48 points, but they still brought in a plumber, an electrician, a landscaper, to fix the house and have the experience to sit there and say, okay, here, okay, that's gotta go here. We gotta improve on this. No, that kid could be okay. He needs more season or whatever the discussions point. 
And he was there to bring it up. Not every year with John Cooper. Remember, they missed the playoffs one year. There was talk about maybe him being there too long. But this is experienced, having been there and had the time behind the bench, the time to see a player. Nope, this guy can work with this guy. Chernak can be good in this situation. And you can't teach a kid the stove is hot until they touch the stove and burn their hand and see that it's hot. So that's what makes the matchup tonight interesting and how it just ties in to what Montreal did earlier. This stuff writes itself sometimes. That's what makes it so intriguing because Bednar's been at the outhouse and he's this close to the penthouse. Cooper's been in the outhouse and been in many, many penthouses on his way up. And remember, it's easy to say now because they won their two cups. I'm telling you, look at his face after the, the goal by Braden Point against Columbus in the bubble and how that was the springboard to finally win. And boy, oh boy, I just think that sometimes we look at the end result and forget about the journey. Like the, it's really about the journey, whether you're Montreal now or Colorado back then. Well, I, I, I'm going to relate a story to you. 1999 Stanley Cup playoffs. We're in the conference final against the Colorado Avalanche. So there's a nice little tie in here. We're the president's trophy winners. And people say, so we ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year. But this is the conference finals. It's game six. We lost game five at home. We lost game five at home. We're down three games to two. The Colorado Avalanche have us right, right, right by the by, by, by the by the scruff of the neck. And they're ready to, you know, they had killers on that team. They had they, they, like they knew how to win. We're down one nothing after one period in game six in Colorado. We're playing really good. Ken Hitchcock says he's coming in to address the team coming in to address, you know, how you come in after, you know, you let the players get all said. Now you're coming in before the period. He comes to the doorway and he said, he hears the players talking. He goes, you know, here's what we got to do. Let's just stay with this. Let's just, we got to do that. We got, we're doing all the right things. He's hearing all the voices. And he says, the players own the team. He said, I didn't need to go in and say anything. He says, they own the team. They knew what it took. They understood and as a coach, that's what you're trying to instill in your team. You don't come in with a speech. You don't come in with a motivational speech and go rah, rah, rah. It's instilled over a period of time. We went one game six, four, one. We went one game seven, four, one. We went on to win the Stanley Cup. That's coaching. Marty St. Louis has no experience. <laughs> I don't care. People say, oh, he was a great competitor. We know he was a great competitor. Guess what? He's coaching now. You don't, you don't just come in and say, oh, I was a great competitor. Oh, you got to work hard. <laughs> like You instill that in your team. Good luck, I love Marty. It. <laughs> I, and, I, and I don't blame Marty because no. if, the Habs, if the Habs called me and said, we're going to pay you this for the rest of the year, and your experience is the Oshawa Beer League team that's turned the corner <laughs> recently, would I turn it down? I wouldn't turn it down. I don't blame Ray Jean and, and Mario Tremblay unless oh. behind the scenes they lobbied and said, we can really do oh. this. Or, I blame the people above them that put them in charge. The Pagoulas hired Kevin Adams. It, they, they, it's their toy. It's their club. And you remind me of a story. So I'll go, you go 99. I'll go back some 25 years earlier. Same thing. Players were talking in the Flyers dressing room before the third period in 74. And Fred heard the same type of thing that you said Ken heard. And then when he walked in later than normal, took a piece of chalk, was about to write something on the board, turns around to the players, looks them in the eye, puts the chalk down, and leaves. Terry Chris told the story. I got goosebumps because you know what he was saying? It's yours, boys. Look, the, look them in the eye 
And when Terry tells story, he spins a yarn like, and you're going, this is our time. And they won the period, won the cup. And, you know, that's the last time the Flyers were really, really good, 74, 75. But that's coaching. Remember stories from your parents? Remember stories from the principal? Remember the, sto- the people above that will shape the lives and the moments? If it didn't matter, we wouldn't have coaches. We wouldn't have principals. We wouldn't have teachers. We wouldn't be looking at our dads for certain advice about certain things. But that does matter. If not, don't. Didn't somebody say a fire hydrant could coach the Montreal Canadiens when Scotty left? Oh, really? <laughs> well, they also said any goaltender could have won too with the Montreal Canadiens. Like, talk about no respect for one of the greatest goalies that's ever played, Ken Dryden, right? Like, I mean, I hear the same things about Grant Fuhrer. I mean, I, I would just like, please, please go out and take out a public. Uh, like billboard and say Montreal Canadiens could have won with any goaltender, me included. Ken Dryden wasn't that good. What? But, and keep, and, and as we go back to coaching, Fred Shiro didn't come into that room and you know, that's what spurred them on. He had instilled that into the group over time, over time in quiet moments, in practices, in all kinds. You don't just arrive and go, oh, I was a great competitor. Anyway, I've waxed on enough. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you one of the big things. Kent Hughes has shown his inexperience. Olympic hockey. What's the feel? You know, I heard people the other day talk about how could Denmark do this? And what about China? And the the young kids of the... Team Canada and U.S. And it's a different tournament, but you were there in 2018 when it was different. This is not best on best A hockey. It's not even some of the other Olympics when the Russians and Czechs had professionals called amateurs and then the other countries piece. Like this is this is a C tournament. I'm, I'm sorry. And the quality of the play, I mean, for me, I'd rather watch the top prospects game or, you know, I'd, I'd rather watch some of the, your games and Connor Bedard and, you know, and the Kingston front and acts and our buddy Shane Wright. I get it just because it's the Olympics. Sometimes we dress it up. It's a, you know, makeup on, you know what, but Hey, it's the Olympics. I get it. So like, what are we watching here? Um, when you watch, like what, what does set the scene over the next two weeks? Here's what I'll tell you. Okay. So number one, let me just go on to this. Everybody thought, Oh, what a monumental upset Denmark over Czech Republic. This is not the Czech. This is not Dominic Hasek or Yermer Jager's Czech Czechia. Okay. The only player they have of any consequence is David Krejci. Okay. Denmark outside of Freddie Anderson, Lars Eller and Nikolai Ehlers, they have all their best players available to them. You know, Germany played in the gold medal game at the 2018 Olympics. They had all their best players available to them for them. Yeah, I know Leon Dreisaitl wasn't there. Okay. But you know what? Russia didn't have their best players there. It took them to overtime. Kaprizov, who is a star, already was a star, was there. Okay. What this is, see, let me ask you this. You remember Eddie the Eagle in 1988? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember, like, you know, you know, participating in the ski jump? Yeah. Is that what you go to watch the Olympics for? He was a clown wanna, show. They, they were embarrassed. Okay, maybe, maybe he's a bad example. You right. want to go watch the B-level curlers? You want to go watch the B-level skiers? Do you want to go watch the B-level figure skaters? Is that what why you want to do? Why would I? Well isn't, well, isn't the Olympics about the best? Listen, I think it's wonderful. The players that all go get to participate, understand, okay, that it's it's not best on best. So great. You get to go participate in the Olympics. You'll, you'll, you're forever an Olympian. Congratulations. But the quality of hockey is not very good. 
It's not very good at all. And it's not going to be very good. I was there in Pyeongchang. It wasn't very good. The best part about the Olympic tournament in hockey in uh, Pyeongchang was the women's hockey. Yeah. And it's not going to be any different in, 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 in Beijing. Not going to be any, because you got the best on best. And everybody talks, oh, yeah, well, you got Canada and the USA. I know, but guess what? You know, you got other teams that are playing. You know, you got the Swiss that beat the Finns. You know, the level of, uh, uh, the, the level of competitiveness uh, in, in women's hockey is just increasing. And stop measuring it by Canada and the USA. They're good. But th because they're so good and teams are now looking, countries are looking at trying to do it, there needs to be greater investment and there needs to be, you know, a greater, uh, you, you know, focus on women's hockey at, at the younger ages, not just at the national team, at U18 and whatnot. It's pretty impressive. Well, men's hockey, it's nice. Cheer, cheer for the players, cheer for your country. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tier two hockey tournament. Yeah, with some players who will be Owen Power eventually tier one NHLers, and that's great. That's they're green tomatoes now. That's notwithstanding, but the best two games of the Olympic hockey tournament will be on the women's side. We've seen one of them, Canada oh. USA, and we'll see another one. So those are the best two games, and that's just the truth. And and it's great for this. You imagine, you imagine in uh, go back to Dallas '99. You go back to the the Flyer days. You imagine if you told somebody the country would be captivated or both countries would be captivated with the, the women had an average audience. We're talking in the six and 7 million range in Salt Lake city and Vancouver. And then, so she was huge as well. Those other ones had better time frames in terms of audience. Um, I was in a bar working at TSN with our buddy, Mitch Kersner watching the off the post 2014 gold medal game. Every monitor, like if you even said to someone 15 years ago that this would matter, they would have said that'll never matter. But now it does. And it's a credit to so many different people. But I'm more looking forward to that than like what else at the Olympics. I, I love the short track speed skating. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I love curling. I'm really upset. I, I haven't even told Bruce this. Canada's mixed doubles. Really disappointed in how that match ended against Italy. So uh, I'm don't just start, don't start. Johnny Morris is a friend of mine. I can't, I was there in Pyeongchang when they won. I like, what were they doing in the eighth end, Steve? All oh, they have to do is do the run back and take out the Italy stone. They win it. Italy runs out of stones. They didn't do the run back. They lost my millimeter. They overcurled. Oh, no, that was in the extra end. Oh, in the seventh the end. end. In yes. the eighth end, they could have done the run back and taken out the Italy stone. Italy had no more stones. They yeah. would have had one stone. It would have been eight, seven. You're right. And what are they thinking? The yeah. And we're talking about two great curlers. And what you know what it tells you, right? Even the greatest sometimes have lapses, right? Yeah. And, you know, Johnny Morris and Rachel Holman are great curlers. And, you know, Johnny won with uh, uh, Caitlin Laws and Peyon Chang. It was so wonderful to be there for it. And, you know, hey, sometimes, you you know, you, you make decisions. But anyway, I'm not going to – they're winners. They're winners and everything. But they, they're, they're, the they're, 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 they're the best. Yeah, they're not being C curlers. That, Brad Gushu, Brad Gushu, he's he, he's the best, right? Like you're you're watching the the team. You're watching snowboard cross. You're watching the downhill skiing. How about uh, how about Nordic combine? How about uh, the combine? Canada, bronze medal, first time ever in the combined. Pretty yeah. impressive. Anyway, listen, we're not. It's wonderful for 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 the players uh, playing in the men's hockey tournament to be able to go and participate in the Olympics and everything. But I'd rather like watching like on a Thursday night. I get to watch Headman 
go against Makar. I would rather that I was watching them at the Olympics. <laughs> but guess yeah. what? We're not. Let's not kid ourselves. Let's not, let's not tell us that it is anything. Enjoy the experience for the young men. It's a B-level tournament. Well said. It's like going into a restaurant. You know what kind of steak that you're getting. Don't, yep. don't be fooled and learn as you go. And if you enjoy it, enjoy it. Uh, but know what you're watching. So uh, well said, my friend. Uh, we wrap things up as we always do with Final Thoughts brought to you by Ultimate Hockey Fans. It is a must. These light fixtures are fans for your hockey basement. UltimateHockeyFans.com forward slash cool button pod for information. Check out the uh, beautiful display from our friend Paul. And if you want our discount, it's there for you. Final thoughts, my friend. We've talked about a lot of things here in 40 minutes. How do you want to end episode 38? Well, here's how I'd like to end. Okay, so Tuka Rask uh, announces his retirement. That's after off-season hip surgery. And, you know, he, he, he rehabbed, came back, and he said, I can't do it anymore. And, 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 and Tuka had a wonderful career. He really did. He was really, really good goaltender, really good. And now the discussion is, is he a Hall of Famer? No, he is not a Hall of Famer. Let me be clear on this. No, Tuka Rask is not a Hall of Famer. And if he is... He can wait his bloody turn after Chris Osgood, okay? Because Chris Osgood the, and, Mike, and, and Mike Vernon deserve to be in the Hall of Fame long before Tuka Rask. So once we get those guys in the Hall of Fame, we can talk about Tuka Rask. Great career, wonderful goaltender. No, no, not a great career. A really good career, not a Hall of Fame career. Very good. Sometimes people just want to push a lot of players in. Oh, come on. And to me, when we talk about it, I do like the adage of when we say a Hall of Famer, if you have to think about it, it usually means no. And Tuca did a lot of great things. He did. Look at the numbers. Look at the state percentage. Did win a Vesna. And there was a time he was among the best or the best in the NHL. But we do want to talk about, you know, another level. Sometimes it's hard, Craig, because of previous standards, right? So the Hall of Fame committee has tried and, you know, I hate to mention names of players of the past. So you try to improve the standard. Hey, if he's in, what about he and then she and, and everything else? I think there's nothing wrong with saying that he had, you know, a Hall of Fame season or two, you know, you win the Vesna, that's great. But to be a Hall of Famer, it has to be this for a, a longer period of time. I'm not going to lose sleep if they put him in. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going to. He's got great career stats, but there's other levels of, I call it specialty. You know, the king did it, and Tuka's there knocking on the door, but I'm with you on it. But it is so tough, I think, partly because some of the things they've done in the past. It's, it's, it's hard when you say, well, if it's a comparable, in, in law they use precedent, that's, that's a tough argument, my friend. Because, again, we like the guy. It's nothing personal. It's just where his numbers are and were at the end of his career. Hey, wonderful career. Wonderful career. Yeah, like, you know, the boss of Bruce should probably retire his number. It's a great honor, right? Like I said, going in and, and behind Henrik. I forgot about Henrik, too. I didn't forget about Henrik. But, like, Mike Vernon and Chris Osgood, they belong in the Hall of Fame in my view. Well said, my friend. And with that, episode 38 draws to a close. We'll watch St. Louis. We'll wait for Marchand to return and hopefully be a good boy. In the meantime, enjoy all the great games. Fab February continues until episode 39. Dominic Hasek. See you. <laughs>